The following content is provided to you as a ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a high adventure Christian wilderness camp in Andrews, North Carolina. Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through the exposition of Scripture and personal relationships in order to equip the church to impact this generation. For more information, visit our website at swoutfitters.com or follow us on Twitter using the handle at SnowbirdSwo. Enjoy the message. All right, so I have, I have 20 pages typed. Um, la- last night I was like, oh, I'll go through and um, take some stuff out, and it put me at 18 pages. And then as I went through, I started writing in more stuff, so I'm probably back up to 20. So is lunch at 12 or 1230? 12, okay. Woo! Um, so this is on spiritual disciplines. Um, you guys probably already are f- fairly familiar. Can you all hear me good? Okay, with all this stuff. But basically, um, every morning when I get up at around 6.30 and make and get Moses and Julia up, try to get them ready for school. And this has been going on for almost two years now. And every morning I have to wake Moses up, take him to the toilet, make him lift the seat up, pee, pee in the toilet, not everywhere except for the toilet. Um, take him, show him his clothes. Oh, Moses, get your sock on. Get your other sock on. Moses, go downstairs, eat breakfast. No, no, don't go play with your trucks. Go eat breakfast. You know, it's just like the daily routines. I have to just basically walk him through it every morning. And, um, but I think a lot of the disciplines, the really simple things that we're tasked to do as a believer, um, we completely neglect. And so it's the Lord's kind of going, okay, Moses and little and all of you guys, this is what you need to do to like have some victory over your mind and over whatever it is that you struggle with. Um, and d- the word disciple is mentioned 269 times in the New Testament where the Christian is only mentioned three times. But I think when you hear the word disciple, you go, oh, I can never, ever be one of those. Like it's some padded alpha dog, superhuman person that can just like streamline down the straight and narrow and never, you know, have issues. But a disciple is somebody that stands on the pages of the New Testament as a first basic level of fundamental practice towards Christ. So it's like the fundamental stuff is what I'm going to kind of walk us through. Um, I don't, is it, will this be on podcast or whatever? Okay, because I have um, lists of stuff, but I don't think I want to wait around for y'all to write it because it's a lot. So maybe you could just go back and listen to it. Or, unless you have like, what is it, shorthand? Can anybody do shorthand in here? That's like a lost. All right. Okay. Um. So there's a, there's a statement, Christianity has not so much been tried and found wanting as it has been found difficult and left untried. Okay, so it's not, the Christian, it's not that you try Christianity and you came out wanting and needing more. It's a lot of times you look at it, you look at what we're commanded to do, and you get overwhelmed by it, and you step back and we don't even try it. Um, and you've ever, you ever caught yourself saying, okay, there's this one thing I want to get through it. Like I know where I, I need to be in my mind with the Lord in this er- area. And I know what needs to happen. I'm just, I've for years had a hard time getting to that point. Um, there's probably something every, every one of you are going, yep, check. I, that's me. Um, and so you, but you just neglect trying. You just kind of think, well, I'm just going to endure for the rest of my life with this. Um, but when we depart from trying and striving, I wrote some things down. It's very crushing. We have disappointments with endless problems that aren't solved. The cost of, like, non-discipleship and not wanting to be a disciple is devastating. Um, you lose abiding peace. 
you lose a life penetrated by love. Um, you lose a life with um, Christ's goodness, with his hopefulness that triumphs over circumstance. Um, you lose the power to do what is right and withstand evil and darkness when you're, when you're just kind of lollygagging around and not wanting to be a disciple of the Lord. Um, and, but we have the wonderful promise because it is a little bit overwhelming when it, Satan makes it overwhelming trying to think of how you're going to handle this or that or handle your husband or handle your crazy kid or somebody at work, whatever. It is can be overwhelming. But my favorite verse in Scripture is in Matthew 11. So I read it almost every time I speak at anything. And it says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So you read that and you claim it and you go, okay, you know, when it talks about a yoke, um, you guys know what that is. It's like the big mule teams and they have the wooden thing that's attached to the two mules. Um, that's what Christ wants to be. He doesn't want to be standing on the outside hoping and wishing that we do what we need to do. He's saying, come over here. Let me yoke you up with me. And for me, I think a lot of times when I picture myself yoked up with Christ, I'm like, my feet aren't even on the ground. I'm in his care, and he's just kind of dragging, dragging me along. Um, but we have the promise of that scripture. Um, so the whole concept of, of disciplines is this, to mimic Christ's daily actions. So he was on earth for 33 years, so we can look at what he did in Scripture and go, okay, I'm going to try to do exactly what he did. So you're going to mimic his overall style while he was on earth, arranging your whole lives around the activities he did, a settled intent upon dwelling in his faith and practice, then rearranging our affairs to that end. Going to church, communion, small groups, going out for coffee with believers, all these things are great things, um, uh, but they don't reliably produce people that are strong disciples of the Lord. It's got to be these raw disciplines. Um, so we have to radically change like some things in our lives, replacing old habits with some new life-giving habits. Um, so that we don't have to just endure. We can fight and claw, get mad. You guys get mad sometimes, right? Get mad at Satan with, if, with your lives and follow these disciplines and, like, see it as you're in survival mode, you know? Um, because your fam- most of you probably have, all have families here. Or you will have family. Like, um, what, what your family needs from you is your holiness. Nothing else. Nothing else. Just your walk with the Lord needs to be tight. And that will bring a severe amount of peace into your home and to your marriage. If you're just striving to, to be holy before the Lord, um, that's all your kids need. They don't, they don't need the latest this and that and trips to the trampoline parks every weekend. They just need your righteousness, okay? Um, um, and then, and so in Jeremiah 17, 8, I want to read the scripture real quick. I love this one. Um, when we do these, dis, dis, these disciplines, when we seek the Lord, we'll be like Jeremiah 17, 8. It says, um, he or she is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for it leaves, leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. So this is a promise that we're given from Christ. If we bear with him and we seek his, his will in doing these things. All right, so um, let's just probably get right into them. Yeah. Okay, um, so the first one I'm going to hit is fasting. Um, in Scripture, all through Scripture, you hear of, um, it'll say, prayer and fasting. They're kind of coupled together. Um, and, but fasting is like some kind of, a lot of people think it's some kind of weird voodoo, you know, asceticism type thing, okay? Um, but I, I don't do it a lot, but I, I do fast. Um, a lot of times if I'm just like weary and stressed out with something that's going on, 
um, if I need to be in really intense prayer for something or somebody, um, if uh, I, for my kids, you know, if something's going on with my kids, sometimes I'll fast for that day. Um, and it's beautiful thing because the Lord, the Lord did it when he was on earth. So you're like, why, would, why do we not do it? Because Satan knows it's so profitable, so he lets it go, woo, in this year and out this year. Um, so fat, the idea of fasting, not your sneeze. <laughs> um, so um, some people, like who's who of fasting, David, Elijah, Esther, Daniel, Anna, Paul, Christ, Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, John Wesley, Jonathan Edwards, Charles Finney, they all had testament of fasting. Um, and it, it's refraining from gluttony, and refrain from gluttony, and thou shalt more easily restrain all the inclinations of the flesh. Um, so a couple of things. One, it confirms our utter dependence upon Christ by finding a source of sustenance outside of food. Um, in Matthew 4, 4, when Jesus being tempted, he said, um, I don't live by bread alone, but upon every word that comes out of the mouth of Christ. Um, John four thirty two says, Christ says, I have food to eat that you don't know about. My food is to do the will of the Father and accomplish his work. Um, the second thing fasting does, um, more than any other discipline, it fasting reveals the things that control us. Um, what I'll do sometimes is I'll ask the Lord, um, it, it doesn't have to be just food. Like you could, you could say, okay, Christ, show me something that I'm literally clinging to, and this is my idol. This is what, this is what gets to me right here. And you, you give that to the Lord, and you fast from that thing. Um, it, can, it could be like food, or it could be like not looking in the mirror. Mirror? Mirror. Mirror. Um, it could be like um, not being on um, Instagram or what stuff, social media stuff, chick flicks. I don't know. The Lord will be like, this is your deal. Fast from it. So just ask the Lord what's something that you could fast from. Um, the third thing is it brings humility. In Psalm 69, 10, David says this, I humble my soul with fasting. Um, and to me, like humility and, and meekness of soul just in someone is one of the most beautiful, attractive things that pushes someone to Christ. Um, seeing a lady that's humble and meek and gentle in the way she speaks, that, that's what attracts the world um, to Christ. And so David says, this makes me humble. Whenever I fasted before, um, I mean, not only, of course, I'm hungry, so I'm like, <laughs> but also there's like a wind knocked out of your sail in your, according to your pride. It's very like supernatural what the Lord does when you, when you fast. Um, the fourth, fourth thing would be it transfers the discipline of denying hunger to the discipline of denying self. So what I mean is this, um, if you, if you get used to the idea and the feeling to deny yourself of something that you really want, and you can, it's in a controlled atmosphere, you're at home, you're not eating that day, you can say no, you can say you can no, you can say no. Um, I think then a lot of times when there's like an on-the-spot temptation and it's right there in front of your face, I think a lot of times the Lord like transfers how you've been submitting your flesh to that thing and he kicks its butt with how you've been obedient to do that with your flesh. Does that make sense? So it's like preparing yourself to be able to say no when it's like on the spot and you've got to have the strength to say no in that moment. Um, Number five, effectiveness in intercessory prayer, guidance and decisions, delivery from those in bondage. That's just what I was saying. A lot of times, um, if I'm fasting from something, um, the first, like, one to three days when you're having a lot of hunger pains, as soon as that pain comes, you pray for whatever it is that the Lord's laid on your heart to pray for, and you'll be praying all day long. Um, so this is a really good thing. And also just it, it, it makes moderation an easier, like, doable thing. Um, because when you, you don't eat for, you know, a day or two or three, then on the fourth day when you can, you're going, oh, a, 
a piece of apple would be great. I can handle, uh, or, you know, banana, something like, it makes it, you step back from just, like, constantly just being in the middle of whatever you're eating. Um, so it's, it's, it's very, very doable thing. Like, practically, um, you want to try to maybe do it 24 hours, just like a 24-hour deal if you've never done it. Um, and maybe don't eat, if you're a heavy coffee drinker, don't drink coffee a couple of days before because you'll get headaches sometimes if you're not eating. Um, and your stomach will feel like a really spoiled child um, right at first. And then um, just try it and really be in prayer about it. Ask the Lord what to fast from. Um, if you want to go like a one to three day thing or eat four, whatever, however you want to do it, the first to three days are, are really hard. That's when you're really hungry. That's when you're clinging to the Lord. That's when you're going, you're my strength. I'm saying you're my sustenance, but here I'm going to prove it by the way I'm, I'm handling this and doing this. Um, and um, it'll, the first few days are hard. You're releasing toxins. You've got this weird taste on your tongue. You might have headaches um, or be dizzy. But then like on the fourth day, it, it kind of will level out. And, and you don't want to go, like, forever. And also don't, like, look, be looking in the mirror and going, oh, I'm getting skinnier, you know. Like, don't do that. Don't use it for that purpose. Um, but, but really just being in prayer. So this is, um, that's all I'm going to say about this. Oh, uh, one thing, too, um, if you're going to, if you decide that you want to start doing this, don't just, like, do it once a year because you'll be so fixated on it. It'll be so hard. You'll kind of prioritize it too high. Maybe do it, you know, when, like, throughout the year, whenever you can, just whenever something, something comes up, something's heavy on your heart. Go to fasting. Go to prayer. It's coupled together in Scripture, all through Scripture. All right. The next one is study. Easy peasy, right? Um, for me, if I don't, if I don't have a time in the morning where I study and like think about what I study, I'm, I'm like Jekyll and Hyde. Um, especially with my kids and like my patience that I have with my kids. If I, if I don't go to the Lord and let Him transform the way I think that day, um, it's bad. I mean, Juju can just ask me to like go help her with something in a room, and it seems like the most awful, miserable task I've ever had to deal with. Whereas if I'm, you know, in, in with the Lord, in the presence of the Lord, and I've got that long-suffering and patience instilled in me from being with him, then simple tasks like that are just simple tasks. They're not overwhelming, where Satan can make stuff seem overwhelming. Um, we can do a lot of good things to have good feelings, good experiences, church goings, good singings, but without knowledge of the truth, we will not be free. Um, John 8.32 says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Um, the purpose of this discipline is to direct my mind repeatedly towards certain modes of thought about God and relationships, this ingrained habit of thought that are formed will conform to the order of the thing being studied. Um, so it's basically saying... Okay, so, for example, um, there's this show on Netflix, I won't say the name of it, that I started watching. It wasn't good. Um, and it was like an old 1950s mob scene. And um, it had, like, it, it, it was just it was just not good for me to watch. But I liked stuff like that. So I was watching it, and there was, like, a lot of, you know, the mafia guys going to the bar, taking the liquor, um, smoking, killing people. It was just like, it was not good. Um, but I, I realized, like, I'd see maybe four or five of them, and I'm like, when I'm in my flesh, I, I think I would just go drink liquor, smoke a cigar, kill somebody with cool music playing in the background, slow motion. I mean, all this stuff was, like, filtering through my head because I had been indoctrinating myself and watching this show. That sounds crazy, but that's how Satan works, you know, in, like, small ways. I wouldn't actually kill somebody except the bad guys. Um, but you know, like just how Satan just makes something like that, 
be such a big deal in the way we think. Um, and so there's two kinds of study. There's verbal study, which is like books, lectures, podcasts, those things, and then nonverbal, which would be creation, relationships, stuff like that. Um, in, in, the, in the verbal study, you've got to be in the Word all the time if you want to like maybe take um, a small book of the Bible and read it every day for a month, or if you want to just... Um, uh, get like a classical book, read it, something like that, something where you're rep- repetitive um, so that you can start changing the way you think um, and then reflecting on that. Uh, th- this, is, this study isn't like, oh, I'm going to get a little nugget for today and it's going to make me feel good. Um, this is where you're studying and then you're waiting for it. You're tarrying and you're waiting for the Lord to interpret it to you. Um, and like, I would encourage you guys even, and this is kind of like this, this retreat, but once a year, take a study retreat where you go somewhere by yourself, um, get, uh, don't camp, because that's, you're always having to do stuff, but maybe like um, Airbnb or, or a hotel or something where you can go and just be alone with the Word of God and just really let it soak into your mind. Um, so, and then nonverbal, um, or a few things, um, this is the observation of Christ in nature, um, and this is just so, I love doing this. I love being outside, especially this time of year. There's so many things where it just points to the Lord. And so many things, in so many ways insects, you know, work. Or just in the way that something can camouflage itself or whatever. It's just the Lord tries to reveal himself all day long through scripture. Um, and so you, you, have, um, you have nature. And then you also have relationships. This is where you can um, study, like, yourself and... Uh, was it this Socrates said know yourself like listen to your conversation um if you realize that you're like trying to always um make yourself look significant or if you're trying to justify your actions whatever study conversation study other people's conversation and see how they react to this conversation like study things like that and see okay the way she responded that wasn't that effective I kind of turned her off and study relationships outside the Lord brings people into your atmosphere for you to to listen to and to study um, and, uh, okay, so that's all I want to say about study. Yeah. Um, okay, the next one is simplicity, or frugality. These kind of go together. All right, simplicity is freedom, duplicity is bondage. Simplicity brings joy and balance, duplicity brings anxiety and fear. So, as women, it's really easy to live in duplicity where you're just trying to duplicate things that you like instead of just letting the Lord level, shake you up, level you out, and be simple in the way you buy stuff, the way you live, the way your speech is. Let it just kind of consume all those areas of your life. Um, because we lack simplicity, our need for security has led us to an insane attachment to things. We must understand that the lust for affluence today is psychotic because it has completely lost touch with reality. We crave things we neither need nor enjoy, but buy things we do not want to impress people we do not like or love. We are embarrassed to drive cars or wear clothes until they are worn out. We need to be awakened to that to conform. We need to be awakened that to conform to a sick society is to be sick. Stop regarding man. I think there's somewhere in scripture where it literally says, "Stop regarding man." <laughs> I don't know where it is. Um, but so the Bible counteracts wealth in a lot of ways. Um, Psalm 62.10 says, If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Proverbs 11.28, Whoever trusts in his riches will fall. Matthew 19 is the rich young ruler. You know, guys know that. First Timothy 6.9, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. Hebrews 13.5, Keep your life free from the love of money. Um, Christ talks about economics more than any other social issue in Scripture. 
Um, and this is not a thing where I'm going, nobody have money. I'm not saying that, okay? Um, I'm just saying seek first the kingdom of God. And whatever, whatever you're wanting to make an endeavor as far as your job or your security, whatever, ask the Lord, am I seeking Christ first? Is my heart seeking Christ first? Um, so freedom from anxiety from this has three inner attitudes. The first one would be what we have we receive as a gift. Everything we have we receive as a gift. Second one will be what we have is to be cared for by God, including our reputation, our employment, all these things. Um, the third, what we have is available to others. Um, if not, they are stolen goods, okay? So everything we have is for others also. Um, so be anxious for nothing. Okay, this is where the list, I should have put these out. This is just some things, um, practical side. Number one, buy things for their usefulness rather than for their status. Buy things for their usefulness rather than their status. Don't have more living space than is needed. Stop trying to impress people with your clothes, but instead buy your life and your love for Christ and your compassion for the world. Um, number two, reject anything that is producing an addiction in your life. Um, that, this is kind of where, like, the fasting thing. You, you ask the Lord, is alcohol, coffee, Coke, TV, books, magazines, um, money. If it's money, give some away. Feel like the inner release from giving stuff away. Um, it's very, it's, like, beautiful thing to get to feel. Um, the next one. Uh, develop a habit of giving things away. I just said that. Um, De-accumulate. Most of us could get rid of half of the stuff we have and still be okay. Um, uh, Refuse to be propagandized by modern-day gadgetry. So you don't have to have, like, the newest phone or whatever that has this one extra thing. Like, be okay with just having what you have. Um, It says we have less than 6% of the world's population, but we use more energy for just AC units than all of China. Um, so just for our air conditioning units, we use more energy than all of China. So you guys, we can, we can step it down just a little bit. Um, learn to enjoy things without owning them. Enjoy the beach without feeling like you have to own some of it. Go to parks, go to libraries. Um, I know, it's always fun for me to go to Target and buy just cool-looking books to have in my house, but there's libraries where you can have them in your house, just not permanently, okay? So just like little things like, little things like that. Um, Develop a deeper appreciation for the creation. Walk whenever you can. Listen to the birds. Enjoy the texture of the grass. Smell flowers. Marvel in the rich colors everywhere. Discover the earth. Um, there's, a, there's a book called... Um, I, I could probably read it. I'll, I'll find it. It's a, um, there's a book called Screw Tape, Screw Tape Letters. And there's a point where, um, like, the devil or whatever is so mad at his worker because he let his subject go outside and take a walk and just smell the air. And he's like, why did you let her do that? That was too good for her mind. Don't let her do stuff like that. Distract her. Get her stuck on laundry or something like that. Um, laundry, what should we do about that? Our whole response next, next year is how to deal with laundry. <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, obey Jesus' instruction about simple, plain, and honest speech. Also being simple in your speech. Matthew five thirty seven says to avoid flattery and have truth, integrity in your words. Reject words to impress or significantize yourself. Um, so also just be simple in what in how you talk, and and what you and how you want. It's so easy. It's just natural to want to make yourself seem significant but wanting to step back and be humble and meek in the way that we present ourselves with our words. Um, shun anything that keeps you from seeking first the kingdom of God. Um, okay, so that's simplicity. Um, the next one is meditation, and this is mainly on Scripture. Um, 
I think Satan is actually okay with us sometimes even reading the Bible, as long as we don't have any clue what we just read, <laughs> um, which is real easy for me to do. Um, but so just contemplating, like when you are able to read Scripture, hopefully every morning, having a, a portion of time where you meditate on it, where you go, okay, how does this apply to me? How does this apply to my kid? How does this apply to my husband, my life, my decisions? Because um, hearing, like, hearing something straight from the wisdom of Christ is so good. You're like, that was, the Lord literally, like, was speaking to me. He's keeping this whole world going, and every breath um, is sustained by him, but he also just told me what to do in this situation in my life. And that comes a lot of times with reading Scripture and then meditating on it. Um, the example of um, if you have a garden, um, how great the vegetables are when they come out of there. You can eat them firsthand, just pull, pick them off, cook them, eat them, as opposed to going to Ingalls, getting something, some vegetables out of the freezer section, eating those. Large contrast between having something firsthand that, like, is just straight out of the garden, like having something straight from Christ as opposed to, and I know commentaries and stuff aren't bad, but, like, other, what the Lord's told other people and they tell you. Um, just really have faith that the Lord will, like, directly talk to you in your situation. Um, in our society, our enemy and adversary majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. Um, if he can keep us engaged in muchness and manyness, he will rest satisfied. Um, in Scripture, you read of people like Isaac, David, and Eli, and Jeremiah, and they were all close to the heart of Christ. And God spoke to them, but not because they had special abilities, because they were willing to listen. Um, Christ's ultimate example of leaving, he always would leave the crowds. He would always go and leave the crowds, um, creating the emotional and spiritual space for Christ to um, construct the inner sanctuary of our heart and really have just this open spot where you go, okay, Lord, interpret what I just read to me because I've got to have this wisdom and knowledge from you to be free and to, you know, help with my family and whatever's going on in my life. Um, the contemplation of a saint is fired by the love of the one being contemplated. So if you're going, um, gosh, I'm reading this, I'm meditating on this, trying to, but I'm not, like, I was, nothing's going on. Question, like, think about your love for the Lord, about your endearment to the Lord. Like, maybe start there. Read about the cross. Read about the things that Christ did that were so endearing when he was on earth and fall in love with the character of Christ because then you'll want to contemplate, you'll want to meditate on, on his word. Are you guys already done? <laughs> Am I going, I'm going fast. Um, the next one would be secrecy. Um, this would be ex abstaining from causing our good deeds or qualities to be known. Abstaining from causing our good deeds and qualities to be known. Um, helps us tame our need for hunger of fame, hunger or fame, um, and we'll have to pray for this, pray to learn to love to be unknown, to accept misunderstanding, um, because Satan wants to tempt us again with being significant. So being okay with being, being secret in your good deeds and, and what you're doing for the Lord. Um, I'm going to read this quote. It says, For a man ever to do well and to think little of himself is a token of a meek soul. For a man not to wish to be comforted by any creature is a token of great purity and inward trust. Secrecy at best teaches love and humility before Christ and others. That love and humility encourages us to see our associates, our associates in the best possible light, even to the point of hoping others do better and appear better than ourselves. So can you imagine like how sweet the air would be around you if you could be in this kind of humility? Like the world would want to breathe it in. 
um, the world would want to be a part of you and of your Lord, you know, if you can find this secrecy and find this humility of your soul and of your um, personhood. Um, also, like, another part of secrecy would be not sharing a need. Um, I always tell women a lot of times um, if they, like, would come to me for counsel, have you, have you, like, talked to the Lord about this and given him a little bit of time for him to tell you what to do instead of me? Because I could, I could easily sway you the wrong way, you know, and, like, get, say, okay, how about for three days you just go to the Lord about this, and you and the Lord try to work this out. And then after that, if you need counsel outside that, go for it. Um, and so a lot of times just being, having like a secrecy with the Lord where you tell him something, you lay it at his feet, and then you leave it there and trust him to handle it like Hannah did when she wanted to have a baby. Um, so that would be secrecy. Um, the next one is um, uh, like hospitality or fellowship, this discipline of hospitality or fellowship. Um, this is, for some of you, this is really easy, like, you can uh, have people in your home all day long. You're, you don't skip a beat. It's just natural to you. And there's others of you that to have somebody in your home, it would be like the bad dream where you go to school without any clothes on. <laughs> um, and that would, honestly would be me. My nature is more to just be by myself a lot. Um, but we have people in our home all the time, so it's great. And so I've got to experience what that's like. But So for some of us, it will be more of a discipline than just something that we actually do. Um, but I think Satan knows the profit of being hospitable and having people in your home because in Scripture, it, he commands us to pursue it. So anything that God's like, hey, pursue this, because it's probably going because Satan's going to try to make you not pursue this, so pursue this. Um, and it's so great having people in your home. Um, if you have a peaceful home where the Lord is present, there's such a great ministry in somebody stepping into your home, into the presence of the Lord. My grandma owned all this land that the camp sits on, and she was a really godly woman. All, I mean, her Bible just would be marked up left and right all over the place. And um, when, she, when she was thinking about buying this land, she prayed to the Lord um, that if, if she bought it, if it was his will for her to buy this, that any person that stepped onto the property would feel the presence of the Lord. And I've literally had people tell me that for the last 20 years. When I come here, it's like everything goes... Um, and so having that also like in your home, being able to have where somebody steps into your home and instantly the presence and the peace and the rest is, is experienced. Um, also, you can be really, and like uh, if you have a good healthy marriage and you don't fight all the time, it's good. <laughs> it'd be good to have like uh, teenagers from the high school in your home to see what a healthy marriage looks like. Oh, because... A lot of them have no clue what that looks like. So to have them in your home um, where you're just making food, sitting down, eating together. Maybe you could have like your family devotion while they're in there. Letting them see that, see that that is a possibility. It's like something that actually happens um, is a really good thing. And also being strategic about it. So like not having the, just the same cool clan of people that think and like the same movies and music as you do in your home, but having like, um, for example, maybe having like a lot of, ask the Lord, direct me who you want in my home this Sunday night after church. Maybe it's like two lonely um, girls, three lonely girls, or maybe single moms, something like that where you could have them where they could like get to know each other better. Um, maybe having people that are super um, like motivated and, and have ideas and dreams, but don't have details well, and then have somebody that's detailed, have them in your home, you know, like get ministry started inside your home. Um, what will be another one? Anyways, you just ask the Lord to think of ways you can strategize and use your home as like a thoroughfare for ministry.
Um, the next one is confession. Um, and Satan so knows the benefit of this because in the scripture it says where, where there's confession, healing begins. Like instant, it's just a promise um, from the Lord. Um, and so he's going to fight you doing this. Um, at the heart of Christ is the desire to give and to forgive. He delights in showing mercy. Christ delights in showing mercy. Think of something you delight in. Um, I delight in um, cream brulee. So the cupcake was enough last night. It wasn't quite it. but Or, you know, something that, like, things that really give you joy to do. Like, um, I haven't really thought this through. I love, I do all the landscape at camp. I love going out there and, and being in the dirt and, and planting stuff or whatever. Um, I love making fires at my house. Things that you just delight in and thinking, because and, it's just fun, right? There's no pressure. You just delight in it. Well, that's what Christ delights in is showing us mercy and forgiveness. It's crazy to think about that he delights in doing that for us. So there should be no hesitation to confess things to him or to somebody that loves the way he does. Um, but Satan, of course, knows, like, how profitable it is, so he's going to make you fearful. Um, so when you, if you ask the Lord, tell me something that I need to confess, or if there's something, you need to do it, like, next 12 seconds. <laughs> Otherwise, you, you won't do it. So you have to be really proactive in, in it. Um, because healing begins, it makes it easier to avoid that sin. Um, you, whoever you confess to, that person can be praying for you. Um, so you don't feel isolated, and Satan loves to make us feel isolated. Um, it can provide a deep fellowship with another believer, and it makes restitution, because a lot of times you confess something to me, I say, okay, but now you got to go talk to this person about it. So it pushes you into restitution also. Um, so just confession. These are just things you guys have heard of, but it's like if you plant, if I plant myself over here, but the rain and the sunshine's over here, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to wilt and die. So like, if you're not walking in these disciplines, that's what will happen. If you're not putting yourself under the Lord and under his, um, his growth. Um, so the next one is sacrifice. Um, this is abstaining from the possession or enjoyment of what is necessary for living. I don't know what this looks like. Um, I just I just studied this like last week, so I'm just going to ask the Lord to show me what does this look like. There was an example that said it would be like you're sitting on a branch of a tree and you take the saw and you cut the branch off and you just watch the Lord supernaturally provide for you. Um, I, I mean, I would think financially that would be, you know, the most obvious way, but um, I'm just going to ask the Lord to show me, like, what this looks like. Um, it's forsaking the security of meeting our needs with what is in our hands. You have Abraham. He was asked to do this with Isaac, right? Um, the poor widow gave everything she had away in Luke 21. Um, and also, I would say this. I think this is such a great ministry to your kids. Um, if you provide, like, if your kids don't need, know a depth of need, if they've never seen a depth of need, they don't know what the rescue of of Christ looks like. So you provide like areas for where you can say to your kids, okay, we're going to give this amount of money away or we're going to give this car away and I don't know how the Lord's going to provide, but he is and we're going to watch it happen. And you let them like see maybe that there's some fearfulness, but also like how great is that for them to see the Lord. Now, whether like he, however he provides, also them seeing you be content in that um, is a huge ministry to your kids. I remember a lot a lot of times, ladies, 
um, would ask me, I'm really wanting to, you know, maybe step back from working, um, be with kids a little bit more at home, but I know that would go from two incomes to one. I'm like, you know, but you could do that and then just tell your kids, we're just going to watch the Lord provide. And if we've got to eat ramen noodles for a while, it's fine. You know, and just like show, giving your, your kids opportunities for the, them to see the Lord provide and showing them the depth of need and then letting the Lord provide. And there's so much joy in, in doing that with your kids. Um, the next one is celebration. Um, this is one of the most important but kind of overlooked or misunderstood disciplines. Um, I, I, I'm like, my eyes have been open to this, this, in this study, because I think the Lord, um, the Lord loves just like sitting with us and celebrating with us. And one of my favorite pictures of Christ, and I don't, I didn't look it up, but somewhere in scripture, it's like where his disciples come in and he's waiting on the beach for them and he's made them fish in a fire and they're just hang, he wants to just hang out and like celebrate, you know? And I think a lot of times, um, we're grateful and we say, Lord, thank you for this, but then we literally move on and it's forgotten. And so I think this kind of celebration, um, it says, when you dwell on the greatness of Christ as shown in his goodness to us. So you engage in celebration when we are enjoying ourselves, our lives, our world, our friends, in conjunction with our faith and confidence in Christ's greatness, beauty, and his goodness. So I'm just trying to like process this um, in my head, but um, I don't necessarily think it means like you have to get tambourines and go run around in the field. <laughs> but I, I do think it could mean like you have, so say um, something happens with your, with your child where they like actually experience the love of God and there's something huge, like a big footprint of Christ in their life. Well, you have people over and you have a meal and you thank the Lord for that and you celebrate that. Like having times where you actually do that with people and also having non-believers come in and maybe experience something like that, I think would be really good. So having like celebration within your community where you just are thankful beyond just saying thank, thank you to the Lord. Um, holy delight and joy is the greatest antidote to despair and is a wellspring of gratitude. I think Satan loves it when we're in great. I mean, that's why he got in the predicament he was in because he wasn't thankful for what he had. So he wants to do the same with us. Um, okay, I'm going to read in this book. Is this the one? It's another thing, I think, on the screw tape letters. I can't remember what it is. Let me read it. Okay. Um, it says, The man who truly and disinterestedly enjoys any one thing in the world for its own sake and without caring two pence what other people say about it is by that very fact forearmed against some of the most subtlest modes of attack. You should always try to make the patient abandon the people or food or books he really likes in favor of the best people, the right food, the important books. I have known a human defended from strong temptations to social amb- ambition by a stronger taste for tripe and onions. So basically, it's and this kind of also, I think I might have put this in, this might have supposed to go in the part where you appreciate creation i think this is where it was um so that okay that has to do with that but also so like when you're celebrating just being really thankful for simple things just allowing the world to see what it looks like to be thankful for things that are simple and frugal um that the lord's blessed your family with all right the next one is service If you are able to do the work of the prophet, what you need is not a scepter, but a hoe. 
Um, that's a good quote. I wrote that down. Um, this is one of the most conducive disciplines um, towards humility, towards servanthood, towards serving. Um, this is when you engage your goods and strengths in the active promotion of the good of others and the causes of Christ. Um, a lot of times you're going to do this out of love because you love somebody, but a lot of times you're doing it out of discipline. Um, a lot of things I think the Lord calls us to do, it's out of discipline first, but then he, if we're faithful, he brings that love around um, to whoever you're ministering to. Um, this is simply, just simply a particular lively piece of clay who as a servant of God happens to be here now with the ability to do this good and needful thing for another bit of clay over there. Um, and so there's service of like small things. You guys have, you know, little things you do. You take this person groceries, yada, yada, those things. But then there's also services of like guarding the reputation of others. That's a service because, you know, women like to just say crappy things, right, about each other. There is actually a service of of preserving people's reputations, of going, no, 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 you don't really, really know what you're saying. Um, have you actually talked to that person? Okay, so you're like doing a service to this person that you're, that's being talked about by hopefully preserving the reputation, being a peacemaker in that situation. Um, the service of listening is a huge, super big one. Some of you are gifted with that. A lot of you aren't. Probably more aren't. <laughs> but um, listening is a service. Like being able to listen, the Lord loves people that can actually listen and where the person knows like oh this person actually cares about what i'm saying um so what you get in bearing one another's burdens there's service of that so you can just ask the lord bring somebody into my life that i can serve today in whatever capacity that you've given me to do it bring somebody in my life today and he he will um and usually means you can't like sit in your room in your closet and hide all day you know you gotta put yourself out there um so the next one would be um solitude And this one, there's so much scripture where Christ just walks away from everybody. So, you know, if you just have that example, it makes sense to move your, remove yourself from crowds and stuff a lot. Um, this is a time of resolve to stop and sit. Um, you know, like if you're going to go have a surgery when you're getting the anesthetic, there's like that little bit of time where you're just kind of like sitting there waiting to be able to have surgery on. Um, this is what solitude would be. This is like when you sit, when you pull away and you sit, and you're sitting there waiting for the Lord to speak to you. You're being silent and waiting for that. Um, it clears the air f- from so many distractions. Um, for me, if I try to go somewhere by myself, I have to, uh, there's about 12 minutes where I am all over the place <laughs> thinking about so many things because Satan wants to distract us, but being able to just be faithful enough to the Lord to sit there and tarry until he goes, okay, she's, she's done thinking about all these things. Now let me speak to my child. Um, and just being still and waiting. Um, this also, um, when I can get by myself with the Lord, it reorientates me. So Ravi Zacharias had this example of, you know, when you're in a car and you're still, but the car moves forward. Wait, you know what I'm talking about? You think you're moving, but you're not? Okay, everybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, so what do you do? When, when you're feeling that, you're going, ah, you find something stable, telephone pole, building. You see that, and all of a sudden, oh, I'm not moving, right? So that's how, like, Scripture and removing yourself and being with the Lord does, because a lot of times you're so caught up in so many things, you've got to pull yourself and find the stability of Christ and let him be like, little, you are thinking the most irrational things right now get it together, you know, but if we're not taking that time to let him alarm us in those ways, it won't happen, um, 
I remember it la last, whenever Easter was, last Sunday, yeah. Um, we had gotten like already a huge plate of food and eating all that. And then I got my second plate of food and I eat a few bites and then something happened. I'm sure Moses was like trying to kill a fish or something. But I remember having to leave the table and go deal with him. And when I came back, I was like, oh, I don't even think I want this food. Um, and I literally didn't eat it. It's because I just stepped away just a, a little bit of time. When I came back, it was like, eh, let's put this in the trash, you know? So I think pulling away is a good, a good thing for us to revise ourselves, to let us know this is what I need, this is what I don't need. And Christ will be really faithful to shepherd you guys um, in those ways. Um, the normal course of day-to-day -day living sets us up into patterns of feelings, emotions, actions that most of that we must break and gain freedom from. There's a study, they did study on mice. One um, proved that it takes 20 times more amphetamine to kill one mice than to kill a group of mice. Okay, I'll read that again. It takes 20 times more mice, takes 20 times more amphetamine to kill one mice than it kills, takes to kill 20. So the other one was this. A, a mouse given no amphetamine, if you take that mouse that has no amphetamine and you put him in a group of mice that have it, in 10 minutes he'll be dead with the others. Um, so this is showing, like, if we're just being influenced and sucked into the world and its patterns and its beliefs and its emotions all the time, that's how we're going to think. So there's got to be, like, survival periods of time where you extract yourself from your home, your family, whatever, and, and re advise yourself and like reestablish where you are and what you really believe and what the Lord's really shown you to believe. Um, and it's all to hear the divine whisper better. Um, and take advantage of little solitudes when you're doing dishes or those 12 pounds of laundry. Those are also times of solitude where you can pray. Um, don't just be in a bad mood about it. Um, don't use it to watch Call the Midwives on Netflix, but use it to Use it to, like, pray and talk to the Lord and pray over your kids. Um, and, of course, prayer. I didn't do prayer because you guys, if we don't, if you don't pray, you're just missing it entirely. Um, I remember uh, there's a lady. I don't know if she's here. She was here last night. But um, her name's Debbie. And she came to my house a little while ago, and she just wanted to, like, um, know of ways that she could pray for my kids. And then she told me some ways she could pray for her kids. And we just prayed together for our kids. And, um... And it was so cool because I was telling her of, like, some stuff we were going through with one of the kids. And she's like, you know, you can finagle and, tr and try to come up with these ways to handle this fragilely and all this stuff. But, but really what you got to go off of is prayer. And it was like, it really instilled for me just what a huge thing it is to pray. Um, okay, the last one I want to do is um, silence. And this is um, just when we can hear and feel our heartbeat and ponder on who and what it beats for. This kind of is like with solitude, but this is like kind of more of a depthy thing. Um, for some of you, you're like, okay, I don't. Ha there's no silence in my house. How? <laughs> Where is this silence you're talking about? Um, so sometimes, like, you can set. This sounds crazy, but you can set your alarm for like three in the morning. Get up, go find the Lord, sit in silence. Um, if, you know, if that's what it takes, like if you literally have 1,200 kids and it's not going to happen, um, do something drastic like that. Because like Satan, you know, there's a quote that says, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Okay, so every day we have to be killing the things that want to take over our lives and, and give us spiritual death. We have to be fighting for those things. So a lot of times that's drastic measures. If you got to get up at 3 and have some time alone with the Lord, so be it. Hopefully you can go back to sleep.
um, get a little bit of rest. Um, Matthew 12 and 19 says, um, Christ will not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice above the street noise. Isaiah 30 says, in quietness and trust is your strength. And it's just so beautiful to think how the Lord, like, whispers to us. He's so meek and humble. He's not, like, grabbing your neck and going, do this. He's literally going, this is what's good for you. I know what's good for you. I'm just going to whisper this and sing this over you. And you just got to stop and listen and tarry and, and hear what I have to say. Um, silence of not speaking. Um, the first duty of love is to listen. So how rarely are we ever truly listened to? And how deep is our need to be heard? I wonder how much wrath in human life is a result of not being heard. James 1.19 says, Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. When the tongue is moving fast, wrath usually is following. And so I want to say this as far as um, just being silent before the Lord, but also silent in the way that we handle each other. Um, we have two ears and one mouth, meaning we need to listen more than we speak. Um, Silence and true listening are often the strongest testimonies of our faith. Um, and I think a lot of times, and back to the listening thing, I remember being at a, like a small group with a bunch of women, and um, this one lady, the Lord just like released her to start confessing something that was going on. And it, I, it was literally like mind-blowing. I'm like, this is so good. And I was thinking, I was praying, okay, I, hope, I was praying that as soon as she finished confessing that, that there would just be silence. I didn't want any of the women to be like, oh, it's, it's okay, the Lord, you know, I wanted her to feel it. I want her to confess and be able to, like, in silence, feel the Lord ministering to her um, in that moment. That's such a big thing, to be silent. Like, people that really, really love each other, they can be, you can be silent with that person, right, and allow the Lord to minister in that silence with each other. So just trying to practice that um, with each other. Um, and so one kind of... Last thing I want to say, in Deuteronomy 11, 1 and 2, it says this. um, You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his, I can't read my writing, keep his statutes, um, his rules, his commands, and consider the discipline of the Lord. So in Deuteronomy 11, it says, consider the discipline of the Lord. So that's what I want to challenge you guys with. Consider the Lord. Consider what he did in Scripture when he walked on the earth. Put yourself, like if you're kind of in this rut and you, you need to move on with your walk with the Lord, put yourself under these disciplines. Put yourself under like the rain and sunshine of the Lord in these disciplines and let him grow you and just watch, watch it happen and just consider the Lord and how he's disciplined in the Scripture. Um, so does anyone have any questions? I don't, hopefully all that made a little bit of sense. Um, there's there's two really good books. This one's called The Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard that I read. Um, it kind of goes a lot, explains why you need them, and it does a little bit of explanation of each one. And this one is um, Celebration of Disciplines by Foster, and this goes really in detail with a lot of the different ones. And there's more in here that I didn't go over. Um, all right, well, I'm going to pray. Lunch is in nine minutes, um, so let me pray. Lord, I thank you for this um, day. Lord, thank you for the weather that you've um, gifted all these ladies with, and I pray that they would just get outside and enjoy it. I thank you for your word. Thank you for the disciplines that you give us to help us um, just be conformed and transformed to who you are so that we can show the world your love and meekness and humility and um, just be somebody that they can um, feel your love through. Thank you for your cross and what you did for us on it. I just pray for the rest of this day. Keep everybody safe. And I pray you be with the homes of all these um, ladies that are in here. 
Just keep everybody safe, and we love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.